Let's get ready for God's Word this morning. Would you like to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, let me take this also. How many of you have been uh, have in school learned pressy writing? Pressy. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Pressy writing. Yeah. They give you a big paragraph, and you've got to summarize it. I think if a prize had to be given, it should be given to the writer of Hebrews. I'll tell you why. Okay, in chapter 11, we've been going through it, and in chapter 11, um, in verse 7, one verse about Noah, it says, By faith Noah, Hebrews 11 verse 7, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. One verse by Noah, and he condenses chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9 of Genesis in that one verse. Isn't that amazing? Yeah? One verse condenses 6, 7, 8, and 9. And uh, this morning we are continuing on our series on the heroes of faith. We're going through Hebrews chapter 11. We've covered Abel and we've covered Enoch. And now we're going to look at Noah. Now, let's just commit our time to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. It's been a joy to just praise you and to thank you and to love you, Lord. Lord, I pray now that you would be with us as I proclaim your word, that your grace, your spirit, your anointing would be upon me, upon my mind. I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. Would you give me the wisdom of God as well, Lord, to preach your word? Open our hearts and our spirits to receive your word. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to obey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, just getting this here. So here, here we have Noah. Noah was one of the greatest men in the Bible. Okay, we're going to look at, uh, we, we looked at this one verse about him, but we're going to turn to Genesis 6 and learn a little more about Noah. Now, how many of you have heard of Noah's Ark? Noah's Ark. You know, children, Sunday school, we all uh, learn about Noah's Ark and there are all these cartoons and things about Noah and the animals and the Ark and, and it looks like a fun story, okay? But it is anything but fun because the ark speaks about God's salvation and God's judgment, okay? So that, that's what it's talking about and, and we'll, we'll look at that. So Noah was one of the greatest men in the Bible and we turn to Genesis chapter 6 and uh, we see in verse 8, Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 where Noah is introduced and it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Just before we get into that, think about this. If somebody was going to write about you and they said, this is the account of Nini. This is the account of Philip. This is the account of Manish. What would they write? Think about Put your name there. What would they write? Look at what they wrote here. Noah was a righteous man. 
blameless among the people of his time and he walked with God. Three small sentences, but they tell us volumes about what Noah was. He was righteous. His heart was right with God. He was blameless. His conduct and his actions were right before God. And he walked with God. His relationship, his communion with God was there. He had a right relationship with God. And this really is not just for Noah, but it should be true of all of us. Okay, that our hearts are right with God, our actions are right with God, and we have a right relationship with God. Verse 9 says, and it goes on to say, Now, Noah was a righteous man, we looked at that, and he found favor and grace in the eyes of God. Okay, now, God chose Noah for a great task. And uh, we see how Noah was, but what was the state of the earth when, when Noah lived, what was it like? And Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 tells us, now we may think the world we are living in is evil. We may think the times we are living in are evil, and they are, no doubt about that. But Noah's time was also evil. Look at Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Wow. People were so evil that not only were their actions evil, but their thoughts all the time were evil. And then verse 6 tells us this. Genesis chapter 6 verse 6. The Lord was grieved that he had made man of the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So, so that was what God was feeling. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, just five chapters earlier, when God created the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and the, she- and the seas and vegetation and the animals, each time God created something, He said something. What did He say? It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. And when He created Adam and Eve, He said it was very good. Very good. So God looked at his creation, Genesis 1, everything was very good. Turn to somebody and say, very good. Very good. But just five chapters later, Genesis 6, you know, from very good and being pleased with what happened, God's heart was pained. You know, they calculate it's about 1,500 years from Adam to Noah, and, uh, and the earth was filled with hundreds of thousands of people because they didn't live... 80 years and 90 years like we did. They lived 900 years. And so they had many sons and daughters and populated the the earth. But it says that when God looked upon the earth, he saw man's wickedness and evil and corruption. And God decides this. He says, verse 7, Genesis chapter 6. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I, had, I have made them. Okay? So, so what, what, is Noah say, uh, what is God saying? God is saying that, listen, I'm going to destroy every living creature, man, woman, child, bird, animal, 
everything that has breath of life, that, that breathes. And that's what I mean. Now, you know, we often skip Genesis chapter 6 verse 1. And we're going to read that and see what else was bad on the earth. And we're just going to touch that. Look at Genesis 6 verse 1. When men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, verse 2, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Something interesting. There's daughters of men and there's sons of God. What's this all about? Okay. And then he says, then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal, and his days will be 120 years. Okay. Now, just to let you know that this sons of God reference here refers to fallen angels. Fallen angels. Okay. And uh, we'll be look at this. Now, for, for now, the now, so, so what, what, what Genesis is recording is that there was a time on earth when humans lived, but also sons of God, fallen angels were on earth. And what did they do? They married the daughters of men, who were beautiful. And in verse um, 4, it tells us, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were heroes of old, really the word heroes, really mighty men of old, men of renown. And really when we mean mighty, we're talking about mighty in size, mighty in strength, and mighty in evil. Because the next word talks about how great man's wickedness was on earth. Okay? Just a few things. Can angels appear as humans? Yes, we have examples in the Bible. Angels have appeared to people. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. All right? Look at Job 1.6. He says, One day, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Okay, so the term sons of God is used interchangeably with angels, right? We don't have time to get into all of that. Just another verse. Job 38 verse 7 talks about creation. When, when, when God created everything, it says, While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels or the sons of God shouted for joy. Another reference to sons of God. or Humans were not there at that time, and God created everything right at the beginning. All right. So these fallen angels produce something called the Nephilim. That's in verse 4. Okay. So I just wanted to bring that in to show you that there was great wickedness on earth because fallen angels intermarried with humans and there was so much wickedness that God put in, wanted to put an end to it. Now, what does God do? God comes to Noah. And, and let's look at verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of Hamas. That's the word for violence there. All right? Was full of Hamas, violence. And what it's talking about is abuse of people and just complete rebellion. God saw how corrupt the world had become. Verse 12. For all the people 
all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Okay? And so God comes to Noah. Noah finds favor with God. And God tells Noah, listen, I'm going to destroy everybody. But I want, to, I want you to do something. And he, tells, and he gives him instruction. He says, I want you to build, I'm, I want you to, 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 uh, to build yourself an ark of cypress wood. And he gives him instructions. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and outside. So God comes to Noah and he says, no, no, when we think of ark, we think of a nice boat. You know, and, and, the, uh, and the cartoons or the pictures we've seen show you a boat with an elephant or a giraffe looking out and all that kind of thing. You know? but, but really, this word ark really means a box. It's just a box. And the dimensions that God gives were like a shoebox. Anybody had a shoebox? You buy shoes, you take, you know, the boxes? Yeah, the box. And so it's, it's the box. It's not a fancy boat with a hull and all those things. It's just a rectangular box. And God tells you how big it should be. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Cover it with tar all around or uh, what is this? Yeah, coated with pitch. Now, just to let you know, you know, these and the original dimensions were all in cubits. 450 feet long is pretty big. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. That's about, you know, in our equivalent, about three, three and a half floors. That, so it was a big, big box. I won't say boat, box. All right? It had to have many rooms. And, and, and a couple of things to note there. The ratio given is about six is to one, is the ideal ratio for ships to float. Okay? So it wasn't like an odd ratio of length to breadth. That was, that was one thing. Secondly, this boat or box that Noah built okay, was the largest vessel built till the 19th century. Can you imagine? So from the time of Noah till the 1800s and 80s when a ship was built that was as big and bigger than this, you know, that's when they used steel to build long boats. That was the biggest boat that was ever built. You know, Noah should be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Okay, that was it. And if you want to look at the size of the boat, okay, it, it was 100,000 square feet. It was three floors, okay, massive 100,000 square feet, you could put 125,000 goats or sheep in it. That's the amount of space it had. So it was huge. It had only one door, lots of rooms, one kind of window on the top. And I don't know, it doesn't say anything about bathrooms. You know, normally when we advertise flats, we say one BHK, three BHK, one bathroom. Nothing of that is mentioned, but this is what is given there. All right. Now, the... The duration of the... So, so this is what God instructs Noah. Now, you've got to understand, you know, God says that Noah was a man of faith. If you just look at Hebrews 11, it speaks about Noah, and it says, he obeyed God, was... Uh, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. What is it that was not yet seen? 
Okay, all of us know about Noah, his ark, the rain, the flood. But in, when Noah lived, there was no rain. There was no rain till then. God just called a, caused a mist to rise up above the earth and that watered the whole earth. So there was no rain, there had been no floods. So these are things that Noah could not understand. But what did Noah do? He believed God. He says, God, you are one day going to judge the earth. Okay? And he says, I believe God. And he went on working for the ark. On the ark. Now, this destruction we're talking about is not a local flood. It's not a group of people dying. Like if you remember the crossing of the Red Sea. The, sea, the Red Sea parted. The Israelites went through. And then the Egyptians came and they were drowned. That was a large number of people, but it was local. Just those people there perished. Here we are talking about a world. It was the greatest destruction of the world ever. From that time till today. All except eight people survived. There is going to come another destruction or judgment as we call it, one day, and, and that is in um, Peter, 1 Peter 3.10, or sorry, yeah, where it talks about one day that God will destroy the or judge the world by fire. Okay? Anyway, we won't get into that. Let's, let's move on. So, Noah has been given this instruction. God comes to him and says, I'm going to bring judgment upon this earth because the earth is evil. I want you to build an ark. Now, it takes great faith to build such a big boat, 450 feet, 75, uh, 45 feet high, 75 feet, you know. They didn't have power saws in those days. They didn't have drills and stuff. How did he do it? It took 120 years to build it. It wasn't a one-day project or a weekend project. It took a long time to build it. But what we hear about in, 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 uh, in, in Hebrews is that it says, Noah in, in holy fear built an ark. That means he believed what God was saying and he acted upon it. Okay? Now for us, you know, we... The, the ark is a picture of Christ. Okay? So just as Noah believed God and he entered into the ark and judgment came and he and his family were saved, in the same way for us, when we trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, we are in Christ, just like we are in the ark. Okay? When God will bring judgment one day, upon this earth, those who are in Christ will be saved. Amen? We are in Christ. Noah was in the ark. You, you remember the, Egyptian, uh, the uh, Israelites when they were leaving Egypt on the day of the Passover. They had to sacrifice the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of death came by, he saw the blood and he passed over. And that's the same thing that is happening to us. So if there is anybody here this morning who has not yet put their faith in Jesus, I would 
encourage you. I would exhort you. Do that because judgment is coming. We don't know when. You know? Uh, in, in Matthew 24, there's a reference to Noah by Jesus. And he says, you know, when people are asking, Jesus, when are you coming back again? You know? And he says, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And then he says in verse 37, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be coming. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Reading that verse gives me great hope in my heart. Because as we see the evil in the world, in our nation, and we think, Lord, do something. Change things. You know? And, and, uh, and Noah may have been crying out the same thing. But God is saying, listen, it's going to be a situation where it looks like everything is normal. Things are getting from bad to worse. But one day, Jesus will come. That's our great hope. Okay? So, what do we do at the t that, that time? Now, the first thing we see is that Noah, in holy fear, built the ark. So, first of all, he obeyed his God. And... Uh, he, he, put, he had faith in God, and that faith was reflected in obedience. The same thing for us. We have faith in Jesus, you know, and that faith is, is reflected in our obedience. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. Everybody say, not by works. We are saved by faith, and that's wonderful. But the next... Two verses later, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So let's be clear. Faith for salvation. Works follow salvation. So if an account was going to be written about your life and say, you know, this is the account of Meher. This is the account of Saurabh. Will they... Will they be able to list out works of faith in your life? Okay, so, so that's, that, that's the thing about faith. The second thing about Noah is that he preached God's righteousness. Okay, it says, he, by, by faith he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness. How, how did he condemn the world? What is it that, hap that happened? Okay, so this is what he did. 2 Peter chapter 4, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 says this, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be hell for judgment, verse 5, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. So not only did, was Noah a builder, but he was also a preacher of righteousness. That's the second thing we can follow in Noah's life. Okay, we, we are called to do the works of God. Our series started with Abel, the life of faith, Enoch, the walk of faith, Noah, the work of faith. 
God gave Noah some work to do. Build an ark. Okay, and that's what he did. So Noah just didn't work, but he also preached. We can preach by our works, that's important, but we've got to also preach with our words. Both are needed. And, and, and you must think about it. How many converts did Noah have? Just his family. 120 years of preaching. <laughs> okay? So what's important is that he's commended. He's a preacher of righteousness. He's a worker of good works, obedient to God. 120 years, he didn't see any results, but God commended him. And so maybe you've been trying to reach out to people. You know, I, I want to say this. The results are not in your hands, they are in God's hands. Whether somebody comes to faith or does not come to faith. Whether somebody is healed or does not heal. That doesn't depend on you. All right? We've got to be obedient and say, I will pray for the sick. I will share the gospel. That's what we've got to do. And we've got to trust God to do the result. I know it's disappointing. You share with family, with friends, with neighbors. People are not interested. They say, ah, I don't want, you know, they may insult you, ridicule you. I don't want to talk about it. Our, our responsibility before God is to be faithful in how we live, to be faithful in preaching the word. All right? and that's what Noah did. So, you know, he did it for 120 years. I don't know how long we'll do it for, but let's do it for however long we can do it. Okay. And then he received God's righteousness by faith. And that's the same thing that, that happened to us. Okay, we also receive God's righteousness by faith. Now, a um, couple of other things to look at here. You know? So, why are we looking at the story? And, and so then we, we've got to just complete, you know, there's so much, we can't do four chapters in, in this one thing. But just to look at what happened. God said, make the ark. He worked on it. He put the ark in it. And we'll just touch on a few things there. Then God said, not only build the ark, he says, I want you to get animals into the ark. Two of every kind. Okay? Where is that instruction? Here. Verse 19. You are to bring into the ark, Genesis 6 verse 19, two of all living creatures, male and female. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground. And Noah may have been wondering, Lord, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, you know, have you ever tried catching a wild animal? <laughs> it's tough. It's impossible. <laughs> Very difficult. But, but watch, watch, what's the amazing thing here? It says, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you. That's the key. Okay? Look at uh, verse 8 of chapter 7. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and all, of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah as God had commanded Noah. That's a miracle in itself. Isn't that amazing? God gave him an instruction. It looked impossible as he attempted it. God said, the animals will come to you. And we don't have time to develop that, all right, and uh, do that. The other thing I want to bring about is that you know, the, the, the pitch that was used to cover the ark that kept it waterproof, that same word is the word used for atonement in Hebrew. Isn't that amazing? So what protected Noah and his family was the pitch, really, 
which is representative of the blood of Jesus that saves us as well. Isn't it amazing to see these types in the Old Testament and in the New Testament? Okay? And, uh, okay. Yeah. Third Peter, Second Peter chapter 3 verse 3 says this. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, verse 4, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's words, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So what, what Noah's Ark is reminding us, there is another judgment that is coming. This time, not by fire, oh, sorry, not by water, but by fire. Okay? And uh, our responsibility at this time is this, to say, first of all, am I saved? Do I have the faith of Noah in Jesus Christ? Faith alone can save me. Number two, am I doing the work of faith? What is it that God has called you to do that you can uniquely do? Okay, it, it, it could be anything in your workplace, you know, writing a book, writing a song, teaching Sunday school, sharing the gospel, visiting the old aged home, works of righteousness. God has prepared them in advance for you to do. As you do those things, what are you doing? Like Noah, you're condemning the world. You know, people may have watched him 120 years. He's putting his money and effort in building this boat. There has been no flood. There has been no rain. What are you doing? People must have mocked him, laughed at him. But he just kept it, kept doing it, kept doing it. Okay, will you continue to do these things? People say, why are you going to church on Sunday morning? Let's go for a picnic and hiking and all that thing. You know, why are you giving your money? Why are you serving the poor? Why are you coming early? Why are you doing all these things? Okay, but as we do these things, we are condemning the world. We are becoming preachers of righteousness. And one day, and one day, that, hap that one day happened to Noah in Genesis chapter 6. One day, God told Noah, come into the ark. Okay, in the sixth, he called Noah in Genesis chapter 7. Okay, he called Noah into the ark. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the month, the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heavens were opened and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine? Suddenly it rained. People had never seen rain before. And, and it rained for, for 40 days and 40 nights. The earth was flooded for 371 days. Can you imagine as the waters came up, people may have gone to the ark and knocking, Noah, let us in, let us in, help. It was too late then, too late. All right? And uh, this is it. So there is another coming, second judgment. But salvation is there now. And that salvation is in Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we bring our time to a close, okay, 
Uh, there is so much to cover in this thing, there's not enough time to do that. But for us to know that God loves us. And if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, today is the day of salvation. If you've already put your faith in Jesus, ask yourself, this is the account of, put your name there. Are there things that God can list of what you have done? Works of faith. If there are none, none, please get started on that. You have a responsibility like Noah to be a preacher of righteousness by your words and by your deeds. One day, you will be vindicated for what you have done. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing, wonderful story of Noah and the ark, Lord, which represents you and your salvation for people of faith. Lord, I pray for each one of us here that we would walk by faith, we would work by faith, Lord, that we would find out what you've called us to do and we would do it. Lord, help us. Give us the faith to continue and to persevere as Noah did for so many years, even though he didn't see results, Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Um, we'll, We'll be having refreshments. But if there's anybody who wants prayer for anything, yeah, situation in your life, health issue, yeah, oh yeah, or anything, please uh, c- come up here, we'll be happy to pray, you, pray for you. One more announcement, uh, next Sunday we will be having Benny Thomas with us, okay? Um, we'll, send the, we'll send the infographic on the WhatsApp group, but Benny is a wonderful prophetic man of God. He had all these prophecies for many of us at, at the Leaders Conference in Mumbai uh, in August, and we have the privilege of having him here. And we are restarting something called the in-depth discipleship training. That is the IDTs, where we give a weekend in the month to growing in our faith with God. So next Saturday, from 10.30 to 5 o'clock, he will be at Emerald, where where he'll be teaching on the kingdom of God. Okay? If you're interested in attending, please get in touch with Hazel. Yeah, the cost is rupees, 300 rupees per head to cover expenses for lunch and other things. But, uh, and if you, if you have any issue with finance, please come and see me. We will we'll work that out. But uh, it's an amazing opportunity to grow in the faith. All the leaders that you see here have come through attending the IDT as they've attended it and have built themselves up in their most holy faith. We'll send the message on the group. All right, God bless.